Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am what's left of Alex Shane, (laughs) here with hopefully what's left of Rich Hill, as we break down one of the most bizarre, worst, stinkiest Patriots games in recent memory. Never thought it would come to this Rich Hill, but uh, here we find ourselves. Okay, just a little peek behind the curtain for everyone who's listening to this. Alec and I spent at least 10 minutes before starting this podcast just asking ourselves, what the heck should we be talking about during this game, like during this podcast? Because there was nothing good. (laughs) There was literally nothing good to be seen, heard, just taken away from this game. This was, honestly, Alec, can you think of three worse games than this one? So it's funny. Obviously, I've been a Patriots fan for a very long time, and I think this might be the worst game I've been able to see live. If you want to go back to, like, the early 90s when the games were all blacked out because no one went to the games and I couldn't see them and they were, like, 0-7 and I wanted to watch the highlights with Chris Berman on NFL primetime, I guess I can technically count that. But this is, for me personally, the worst game I've ever sat down and watched start to finish, and it's not even close. Yeah, I mean, like, the other games that could possibly be in contention for me are the 31-0 loss to the Bills start off the 2003 season. That's definitely often won. Uh, The Kansas City game back in 2014. Uh, And then possibly the Ravens playoff game in 2009. But I've never seen a complete failure of a team like this Patriots team did against the 49ers. Uh, There was nothing good on offense other than maybe Damian Harris. But, yeah, you know, you'll leave the game with injuries to Nikhil Harry and Joe Tooney. That's terrible. You have nothing good happening on defense. They allowed 33 points. That's bad (laughs) Uh, what happened. And, you know, they're just – the, the worst part is that this team didn't seem like they had any fight in them, which is just truly the, the most defeating thing to watch. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, at no point did I see anybody on the sidelines screaming at the offense or the defense. There was no kind of let's go get them boys mentality. They didn't seem like they wanted to be there. Some of the drives, I, I think there were like there were like three first half drives that combined for two minutes. Um it was like a, an interception on the first play, uh, a three and out, and an interception on the second play were the last three, interse- three, three possessions of the first half. And after that, they came out and they managed to go 50 yards for a field goal, which was hands down their best drive of the day offensively. 
And as, other than that, it was just nothing. Um, I know we were kind of talking about the offense and the limitations they might have. And that's one thing. And being able to score six points in an entire game is really rough. But one thing that <laughs> really concerns me more, honestly, Rich, is I thought this defense was supposed to be kind of pretty good. And if the Patriots were going to make any kind of a run this season, it would be the defense would keep them in games, much the way they did last year, while the offense kind of figured it out. But giving up 33 points to the Niners, getting absolutely gashed on the ground for 200 yards rushing, being unable to set the edge. Every time they bounced to the outside, it was a big play. Guys couldn't shed their blocks. That's probably what's most concerning to me is just how inept this defense looked on Sunday. Yeah, and I mean, like, this is what we talked about before the game as well, is how would you attack this Patriots defense if you were the 49ers? And you would say, okay, the Patriots have always, always, always struggled with those stretch zone runs with, you know, the whole standard Shanahan offense. You know, Shanahan, Kubiak, all of those guys have incorporated this stretch zone run. And uh, they always are able just to walk down the field against the Patriots. Usually, though, the Patriots are capable enough at linebacker that even if the you know the opposing team is able to dominate early on, they can catch up. They just don't have the depth and like skill players to do it. You know, like on their defensive front, they have Juwan Bentley as their literal only linebacker uh, that you can trust off the ball. Everyone else is more of an edge pass rusher kind of player. And then on your defensive line, you got Lawrence Guy. That's kind of it. Uh, I mean, you technically, I know they didn't have like Adam Butler, but like Lawrence Guy is really their only big defensive tackle that they have. Bo Allen is, you know, not playing. He's been hurt. Byron Cowart doesn't have a lot of experience. He's young. Guy is their only really experienced player. And so you're dealing with a whole huge weakness in the middle of this Patriots defense. And sure, they're supposed to be better on the edge, but for whatever reason, and it looks to be some mental errors from a substitution standpoint, Chase Winovich was not on the field. And guess what? Chase Winovich has had his role just shrunk completely over the past two weeks, and wouldn't you know it, they are two of the worst days for the Patriots on defense. He needs to be out there. I don't understand what's going on, but this defense does, does not have talent in its defensive front. Yeah, what do you think it is with Winovich? I mean, he was probably the defensive MVP, at least the candidate um, for defensive MVP uh, in the early parts of the season, and then he's kind of just vanished. Is there, do you think it's a, a scheme thing? Think he's in trouble? Think he's injured? Any idea what's going on there, Rich? I do think he's in trouble. As in, like, I do think that the coaching staff, they had a short plug on him last week against the Broncos. They, they benched him, essentially, and then they definitely benched him this week uh, against the 49ers. He had that personal foul. I believe it was offsides. Um, and then also... You know, Mike Reese pointed out that he might have missed a substitution up there. So the Patriots played a defensive snap with only 10 players on the field. So there's something going on where Winovich isn't fully present. Um, but it's definitely hurting the defense. You know, you're, you're having Anthony Jennings, who's, you know, a rookie third-round pick, picking up some of the slack on that edge. Uh, but that's just not what you're looking for, where, you know, this defense can't afford to not have any of its talent if they are hoping to carry this team. And so whatever's going on with Winovich, he needs to get it sorted out. The coaching staff needs to get it sorted out because he's absolutely in the doghouse. And without Winovich out there, this defensive front has no chance. Not only that, Rich Hill, but I feel like the secondary, the strength of this team got absolutely gashed. Not only did they get gashed, there's two names that are at the top of the of the 49ers receiving charge, and they were both receivers <sighs> the Patriots could have drafted 
in Brandon Ayuk in 2020, and then Debo Samuel of last year. Every time Debo Samuel touches the ball, which was five times on passing, and he rushed it for three or four, I believe. So like nine times, I died a little bit inside. <laughs> he is just a dominant force. He is fast. He is rangy. You can play him at multiple positions. He's kind of got that outside speed we've been looking for since forever. Uh, Nikhil Harry doesn't seem to be that guy. And for the 49ers to have 200 yards on the ground and still have almost 300 yards through the air, there's just nothing you can take away from this defensive performance there. You're like, well, at least that was good. There's literally nothing I can take away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is a alternate universe where the Patriots offense is Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to Debo Samuel, Ayuk, and then also George Kittle. That's like, Kittle was a fifth-round pick a few years ago. Like that, there, That is very much a real possibility if the Patriots had chosen to invest in their offensive skill players, uh, which they just haven't. And I don't understand why. Uh, it's been an issue for the longest time that the Patriots have just not even taken a chance on offensive skill players. And then when they did, they took a first round running back in 2018, uh, who is now on the IR. And then, yeah, you have Nikhil Harry, who's just has been battling injuries his entire career. And like, sure, you could say that he's not had the best situation to start his career with an injury as to start his rookie season. Uh, and then also with COVID, but, you're looking at Ayuk, who came out of literally the same exact school, playing the exact same position as Nikhil Harry for Arizona State, and he is thriving for the 49ers. So it definitely seems to be either a mix of Harry being the problem, the Patriots' offense being the problem, or both. Um, but no matter what, Alec, maybe one of the two offensive bright spots that we saw, uh, one being Damian Harris running well, was Jacoby Myers, who had four catches for 60 yards, including a big third down conversion. Uh, is there any reason why Myers shouldn't have that job over Harry? I would have to guess it's mainly, I, I do think that this is a league-wide thing. I'm not going to place blame at the feet of the Patriots or Bill Belichick here, but I think that everybody is expected to give their first-round draft pick every single opportunity to succeed. And Nikhil Harry, he didn't play a full season last year. He's obviously only played a couple of games this year because the season's very young, and I don't think it's it would be any kind of good business to pull the plug on the keel hair right now or downgrade him in terms of reps or confidence or positioning for a undrafted guy who flashed last year. I don't know what McKeel Harry's level of mental toughness is. I do know as a position, receivers can be kind of divish, kind of sensitive, kind of quirky. Maybe he is. I don't want to cast aspersions. Maybe he's not. But I think it's the kind of thing where Nikhil Harry's not delivering, but he was their first-round draft pick. He's the first receiver they've taken in the first round in a very, very long time, first in the Belichick era, and you can't just bench him or put him behind a, a nobody, quote-unquote nobody, because I think that would look, look really bad for the team. On the same time, like it's not like Nikhil Harry's getting these bullets thrown his way all the time by this accurate, decisive, quick <laughs> quarterback um cam newton i don't know what happened to him after the seahawks game where he just lit it up but he has done nothing since then and i have got to think maybe this even though he was asymptomatic maybe the coronavirus has a bigger impact on him than he even thinks oh i mean totally i, I mean COVID is a very very serious thing that he had to recover from and he obviously has not been the same player since he's returned and I, I mean, just watching how his technique has completely deteriorated pre versus post him being out. I mean, when he was 
throwing the ball well against the Seahawks. He had a very strong delivery in the sense that he had a strong base. He was not having any sort of an extra hitch in his passing motion. And while you were watching it, it looked like a departure from the old Cam Newton who would, you know, have a big windup if he's lo like loading the ball to throw it. And he had, you know, a more compact throwing motion that the Patriots have been working on all offseason. And it looks like it was working. Then you see him throwing the ball against the, the Broncos and the 49ers, and none of that's there. He's not planting his legs. He's throwing like with his body horizontal, you know, parallel to the, the line of scrimmage. So he has no support from his legs when he's throwing the ball. He is having an extra hitch with his wrist. So when he's trying to get rid of it and trying to throw it, there's an extra amount of time for the defender to react. And then also, you know, it's not going to be a consistent throwing motion each time. And so it's not going to get to the receiver consistently each time. It's that greatly affects his accuracy. And we saw that time and time again is that he was throwing the ball into the dirt behind the receivers. He wasn't giving anyone a chance to catch the ball. And based off of how he's performed the last couple of weeks, he is a replacement level quarterback in the sense that, uh, you know, honestly, Jarrett Stidham, not great. Cam Newton, not giving you anything better. So at this point, if Cam Newton does not improve, I know this is a tall order against the Buffalo Bills this week, you know, week eight. Uh, if he, he doesn't improve against the Bills, I legitimately would start considering, uh, you know what, let's just let Jarrett Stidham run out the rest of the season. If the Patriots fall to the Bills, lose four straight and go to two and five, uh, I would just say let Stidham have the opportunity to see what he's got because we know that Cam Newton doesn't. Wow. So as of Tuesday, October 27th, what is this? 9.09 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You are of the opinion that Cam Newton will finish the season as a starting quarterback or Jarrett Stidham finish the season? You have to guess right now. <sighs> That's hard. I mean, honestly, and like, I don't even think it's Newton's fault. I think that it's just been a really, really terrible circumstance. Uh, but I mean, at this point, obviously Newton is the better overall quarterback than Jarrett Stidham. You know, I, he's obviously more talented and more capable. It's just not there for him right now. When he's not seeing the field, he's not seeing anything. And if he's at that place where he's not providing value, then go for the player who is younger, who hasn't proven anything, because you know what? You're not doing anything this season anyways. So let's see if Stidham can build anything. Because if Newton's not going to have it midway through this year, then you're not going to sign him to a long-term contract. So there's no real point in competing for nothing and also putting out Cam Newton for no reason. So I, I would say that for no reason other than, you know, the season is probably over for the Patriots if they fall to two and five against the Bills, that, you know what, you got to start thinking, all right, how can we prepare ourselves best for next year? Speaking of next year, obviously, I don't personally have not seen anything from Jarrett Stidham between Nothing. last year and this year that makes me think he's the guy. Nothing at all. Uh, he's had, at this point, a year to learn under Tom Brady. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo, what he was able to do in very limited action for the Patriots. He stepped in, and he was a good quarterback. Do you think it's fair if, let's just say, Cam Newton gets pulled I say, I'll, let, me, let me back it up. Let's say Cam Newton does not get pulled. He finishes the season. Pats go maybe 8-8, eight 7-9, eight, whatever. Maybe they make a run, go 10-6, and, and lose wild card round. Like, that's still on the table. I'm not pulling the plug in the team just yet. But do you think that Jarrett Stidham has it in him at all to be a starting level quarterback in the NFL? No, I, I don't think he is an NFL quarterback. What, what he has shown 
throughout his you know very short career at this point is that he is a below 50% passer. He has thrown an interception you know, for every five completions he gets. So he is someone that can't take care of the football. He can't keep the offense on schedule. Not entirely his fault because he's not been given a good supporting cast. But I, I think that at this point, you look at him and you're like, all of the, the you know, the bad mouthing that people gave Nathan Peterman for the Buffalo Bills. Peterman was a better quarterback than Jarrett Stidham. And there's no point to say that, you know, Stidham has a real chance at this point in time to preclude the Patriots from investing in the quarterback position in the next draft. And if not, honestly, just double dipping. I mean, if I were the Patriots heading into this next draft, I would take multiple draft picks on quarterbacks because uh, there's no reason not to. Well, that's a transition I will make in terms of the draft positioning. Uh, I know there are a lot of people in Patriots Nation who just don't understand what's happening. I think the last time the Patriots lost three straight was 2002. Uh, I was 22, 21 years old. I'm sure people were maybe 10 years old, somewhere maybe five or six years old. This is a total new reality for a lot of people. Um, however, obviously, we're starting to think about they're two and four. They're not out of out of the playoff picture, obviously, but this is very uncharted waters. They are completely winless in October. Do not remember the last time that happened at all. Um, they probably never happened in the Bill Belichick era. Yep. I know there are a lot of people that are writing the team off. This is it. Their season's over. Let's tank for Trevor. Let's get Trevor Lawrence. Let's let's pull the plug. Are you there yet, Rich? Or is this season at all salvageable based on the record we've seen so far? Yeah, I'm not there yet. Well, I mean, two points, one being that I don't think they even have a shot at getting Trevor Lawrence. There's so many teams that are much worse than they are. You know, I mean, the Jets are by far a worse team than the Patriots, uh, and there's no way that they'll be able to leapfrog them. The Jaguars are a worse team. They're not going to be able to leapfrog them. Uh, You have an argument that the Vikings and the Falcons are both worse teams than the Patriots. They're not going to leapfrog them. Then there's other bad teams like the Bengals and the Giants and the Texans who are bad, but they won't be taking a quarterback because they've already drafted them. Um, but also, you know, like the Washington football team, there are enough teams that have question marks at quarterback that are more likely to finish the season with a bad record than the Patriots. So, you know, honestly, I don't think that there's a real need to tank for Trevor. What, one thing that I looked at that I actually really admired about the Miami Dolphins last year is that they started out as the worst team in NFL history over the first few weeks of the season. Like, not even an exaggeration. There was no team in NFL history worse than the Dolphins. And yet, over the second half of the season, Brian Flores had this team competing, and they finished the season strong. They still got Tua, who I am excited to see how his career progresses. But, you know, you don't have to have the first overall pick to get a good starting quarterback. Uh, You know, I, I really like what Justin Herbert's been doing for the Los Angeles Chargers. He's not a top overall pick either. So, yes, while Trevor Lawrence is one of the best quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck, and, you know, it would be absolutely nice to get him in there, I don't think by any means do the Patriots have to sell out to try and get him. What I do think is that the Patriots shouldn't feel obliged to, you know, waste the possible health and injuries to veterans who would be more valuable to have around next year than to have them play for this dumpster fire of a season. You know, it's good to have some leadership out there but if there's any sort of a or b sort of situation where you know what 
you don't need to play Ryan Izzo over Devin Asiasi or Dalton Keene. That just is not necessary. You, there's no reason for you to do that. There's no reason for Gunnar Olszewski to not be playing over Julian Edelman, who has been an absolute liability for the Patriots out there. There's no reason on your defensive side of the ball to not let J.C. Jackson have more time to grow and develop as a player, to give your Anthony Jennings over maybe even John Simon. Like These are players that could help the Patriots next year, uh, and it would be good to get these younger players some more experience. And like I think that's what you have to do is take the rest of the year, and this was always going to be a weird, truncated, atypical year due to COVID, due to how, I mean, everything's not like just crazy. Just to take the rest of the season and say, you know what, how can we set ourselves up for next year and just go do that? So you aren't necessarily pulling the plug on the season. You're not saying kind of start tanking or just bail. It's more that you focus more towards 2021, get the young guys reps. If they win, great. If they lose, who cares? Because like you said, it's a weird season as it is. And stop prioritizing starting veterans who aren't going to have any long-term impact on the team and give maybe the younger guys the reps they're going to need to cohes- as a cohesively uh, bond as a unit next season to make a serious run. Is that what you're saying here? Totally. Absolutely. I think that makes sense. You know, I, I think the Patriots still can. Again, I, I think I wrote in my fan notes. Like, I, I can see them dropping to like three and six, and then just getting really, really hot and finishing like nine and seven, and like just missing the playoffs and getting a crappy draft pick out of it. Um, which how a lot of teams have seemed to be functioning in the past uh, years, and it never really goes well. My only concern, though, Rich, is I, I'm I'm very concerned about drafting a quarterback next year. We'll talk about this later on. It's way too early to talk about draft, but. Like, I, I am concerned about drafting a quarterback next year with the goal of him being the starter. It's just such a hard transition to make if you're a first-year quarterback getting tossed into an offense, particularly a Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, timing-based, be here at the exact right time offense that a lot of guys can't pick up, veterans included. And so my hope is either Stenham will turn a corner, Cam Newton will turn a corner, or maybe they'll end up finding a quarterback elsewhere in free agency that can kind of be a stopgap while they train somebody because – I personally don't want a very, very young team with limited experience based on what we're seeing this year thrust into it with a rookie quarterback because that could be a disaster. Oh, yeah, and uh, there's a certain quarterback that I think would be a wonderful fit for the Patriots next year. He'll be a free agent. He's used to this kind of thing. His name is one Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a hometown boy. I don't know if you've heard about this, but he went to Harvard. Um, uh, He would be a great fit. I mean, that's the exact type of move that you need to do because, you know what, yeah, you could do Brian Hoyer again if you wanted to do that. But there's honestly, at this point, there is no holdover on this offense other than maybe offensive line. That is worth keeping, right? Like, it, it, there's no reason that any player on this offense should stop the Patriots, stop Josh McDaniels from saying, you know what, let's rebuild this from the ground up. You know, last year, years before, it was Tom Brady. There was no reason to adjust. But you look around the league and you see how many other components of offense is, are much more friendly to younger players and experienced players that you don't have to tailor such a complex offense to play to Tom Brady's strengths. That was absolutely the right move because that's what Tom Brady was most comfortable in. He's the best quarterback in NFL history. You stick to what he's good at. But at this point in time, there's no one left in this Patriots offense that you're like okay we have to continue doing it because they're just that this is how they succeed there's no one succeeding so look around the league look around the league and you see how you have 
the you know the Shanahan style stretch zone offense, maybe you want to do that for part of your rushing attack. Incorporate more of that into your game because you know what that really benefits the play action. And then you look around and say, okay, with a Sean McVay off passing attack, you get a lot more motion going on. You know, even the Shanahan offense, but you see some of the players with the positionless receiver sets where. Uh, you know, you got your Debo Samuels, you got these players, your Kyle Juszczyk, who can play multiple roles in an offense, and that puts additional strain on that defense. You don't need to have every single player running option routes out there for the Patriots, because that just causes so many more places for error and miscommunications, and like places where the quarterbacks and the receivers just won't connect, and it makes it too complex. So figure out ways to make your entire offense designed around creating space as opposed to, you know, trying to play off of the opposing defense because unless you have the savvy veterans, it's just not going to work well for the younger players. Tell you, man, if Ryan Fitzpatrick came to the Patriots, that would break the internet, I think. <laughs> I, I don't know if any quarterbacks ever started for every team in a division, but we're the last team on the AFC East he hasn't started and won a game for, so that would be a really nice little feather in his GOAT journeyman resume cap. Um, <laughs> I, I personally don't see it happening, but you never know, man. That would be badass. But it does sound like to you, I mean, I agree right now. As of right now, the Patriots team we saw on Sunday, what Patriots team we saw against the Broncos, uh, the past team we saw against the Chiefs, not really their fault because of Brian Hoyer's inadequacy, but the late, basically the last three games we've seen of the Patriots, this is not even remotely a playoff team. And if this doesn't change in some capacity uh, and they keep playing this way, I will be very surprised and happy with a 6-10 and 10 finish. Oh, totally, totally. And I mean, like all of the sheen of the first three weeks of the season that we were talking about, of like how this team could compete all went out the window when Cam Newton got COVID, when Julian Edelman's knee injury clearly is limiting him, when the offensive line has gone through so many different iterations and changes due to injuries to literally every single player other than Isaiah Wynn on that offensive line. Uh, the fact that, you know, there's just a lot of question marks at that wide receiver spot where, you know what, they've regressed, to be quite honest. And if Edelman is not his typical spot or typical number one player for this offense, then no one else is yet capable of doing that. And so all of the potential, all of the skill that we saw over the first three weeks has changed due to various injuries and other reasons. And unless they're able to get healthy, uh, you know, this week, uh, I, I think that the the season is definitely, as you said, uh, six and ten would be a pretty good finish. But you know what, man, a one six and ten year in twenty, it's okay, it's all right. One thing I'm actually enjoying um, for the first time in a very long time is like I'm just kind of watching each game and enjoying the week for what it is. If they stink, they stink. Uh, this makes me once again very grateful that. Um, it, a bad Patriot performance like this is so foreign and alien to us. We've got this last podcast just complaining about it instead of breaking it down. Uh, were we, <laughs> let's say, Jets fans, um, maybe Browns fans, we'd be having a very different conversation right now. And to double down on that, what our co what our conversation would be each and every week, Rich, if we were Falcons fans is uh. – how did we blow this late fourth quarter to weed when we had a 99% chance of winning? So that could be our life as well. So it could be a lot worse, man. Oh, it's so true. It could be so much worse. Uh, I mean, yeah, there is definitely reason to have hope for the future. They still have Bill Belichick. They honestly, I think they 
over the past few drafts. They got a franchise left tackle. They got a franchise pass rusher. They have a franchise quarterback or three. Uh, they they have some quality players. They just need to have a quarterback, and they need to get like a couple more offensive skill players. And next year, they'll have the most cap space in the league. So they are positioned well to take advantage of whatever happens on the market, and so they can set up the stage for whatever young player they get at quarterback to be surrounded by talent. And honestly, that's part of why I just want younger players out there is, you know, it's more exciting when you're watching a rookie who's out there getting his first time on the field and either succeeding or failing. It's a lot more interesting than watching some middle-of-the-road veteran who, you know what, is just going to punch the clock. And I, I, that's why I would much rather get those younger guys in there. But we'll see. We'll see how the rest of this week plays out. Alec, uh, this was a just really terrible week seven. <laughs> I still can't get over how bad that game was. Alex, do you have any final thoughts on week seven of the NFL season? No, let's just move on. Pretend it never happened. Yeah, what week seven? All right. Well, we'll break down the Patriots against the Bills later this week. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See you. Later.